everybody. Welcome back to the Move podcast brought to you each and every day this summer by Ketone IQ. Of course, made by HVMN. We'll get into that a little bit later. We're talking about stage eight. Alain, what's up? Stage eight, Libourne to Limoges. Libourne to Limoges. I just love it. I mean, I know it's so stupid that I say it every It kind of cracks me up that you get such a kick out of it. Is uh, Alain going to come by for the library? Uh, I don't know. He's, sure. uh, yeah, he's, but I, I think he's over the, you know, I've probably done it for seven years. He's gotten, it feels like he's getting more and more into it. You hear that way? Mm-hmm. He, he kind of leans into being a frog. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, look, uh, uh, what, what a day, not, not, not the day any of us expected and certainly not the day that any of us wanted, uh, with Mark Cavan just crashing hard. Um, apparently at least, uh, looked like he uh, broke a collarbone and, and is out of the race. So, uh, this chase, uh, for Eddie Merckx's record for stage wins is over. Um, and this is all, again, we'll get into a lot of this. It leaves a lot of questions, uh, at least for me. So, um, but before we get into all the action, today's show brought to you by Element. Folks, we talk about it all the time. This is our go-to hydration source, as they say, uh, uh, stay salty or salty AF. What does the AF mean? Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's that time of year. It's time to sweat, time to be outside, and it's also time to replace uh, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, no sugar, no gluten, no artificial ingredients. It is the real deal. Uh, our listeners get a free Element sample pack with any order. Uh, so with the sample pack, you can try out all the flavors. Uh, there's no obligation here. So you, you try the flavors, dial in your flavors, figure out which one you like best. All you have to do is head on over to drinklmnt.com slash the move. Drinklmnt.com slash the move. Our next partner today is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. And as uh, I like to say, and I love it when they say it, it's about taking control of your health. I drink it literally every day. Um, I gave it a try because I was tired of taking so many supplements and I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers nutritional bases every day. I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support. I was sick of taking a whole bunch of pills and vitamins, and I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support all these cool things like energy, focus, strength, and clarity. Also, um, uh, George is also, uh, look at him, you're so good, George. Every day you're hammering that thing. Every day, Yeah. as soon as I get to the studio. And you're spending less than three bucks a day. That's right. Uh, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Head on over to drinkag1.com slash the move. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash the move. Check it out. Oh, boy. Yeah. Sad, sad day. I know. And it, it, look, it, it, it goes to show you... Um, how big a deal this is. I mean, Matt Peterson won an incredible stage and we, we are going to talk about that, but let's not be mistaken. The biggest story of, of probably the first week of the tour or anything we've uh, had up until now is, is the loss of Mark Cavendish. Yeah. And it's just such a, you know, 
random crash. She's just mm-hmm. sitting at the back, staying out of the way, staying out of trouble, and just, you know, this happens all the time in the Peloton where somebody breaks, and it's a accordion effect where the, everybody behind has to break harder and harder, and, you know, perhaps he might have been having a drink of water or just something super simple and lands on his collarbone and breaks his collarbone. I wasn't with you guys when that moment happened. I was back at the house. What was your reaction, especially you, George? Like, I mean, I know you're a fan of Cav, but George was teammates with him. You guys stay in touch, probably a little more deeply affected, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I spoke with him yesterday a bit over text message. He was devastated um, uh, from what happened yesterday. He had so much confidence, said he hasn't felt this good in his whole career. Mm. Um, So he was just clearly on just incredible form. Last Tour de France, I mean, even if things are going great, the emotions that are going through your head throughout your last Tour de France are just on a super, super high level. I mean, I remember it in 2012, it's my last tour, and in a way, you're super happy that you never have, you never have to suffer that hard again. But in a way, you're going to miss a lot of the things about it. So, um, to see him on the ground, um, I just can't imagine what was going through his and head. Leaving in an ambulance. Leaving in an ambulance. Uh, I mean, that's just uh, worst case scenario. And and as he has said, this is the last year of his career. I I, I am curious if that if he'll stick to that. Um, um, I could I could see it both ways. I mean, uh, you, uh, one part of me says, you know. Ali G, you feel you, what you just say. You haven't felt this good uh, ever. Yeah. So you, you, that part says, okay, well, let's just do one more year. And the other part says, Father Time uh, keeps marching on, and it's hard. But think about, you know, if if there are two scenarios for Mark Cavendish in this Tour de France. One is, you know, either he won yesterday and broke the record, or maybe we wait until Paris. He breaks the record in Paris. That's certainly the greatest story imaginable. And the other is to leave in an ambulance. I mean, they're, they're so far apart, and and um, it, it it was awful, awful to to uh, to see. And you actually, and, and I say see because the 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 cameras in, in the race, both the helicopter and the motos, typically catch a lot of the crowd. This one we couldn't really see. I mean, at, at the end we saw some of the coverage. They were trying to zoom in and and see exactly what happened. Nobody can really see. He he know he and the guys around him obviously know, but. It was hard to tell, but the collarbone is something that's for guys and gals that have ridden for a long time. That's if you haven't broken a collarbone, then you haven't ridden very much. Yeah, that's what I was thinking next. It's it's his injury is something that's not going to be a long term setback. It's not like he fractured his hip or no, a femur no. or something like that, where it would be. But at no this, doubt at this age over. in his, his career, uh, you know, thirty seven years old. It's all about motivation. And, and it's all, you know, he had major motivation for the Tour de France. Right. I mean, he went through the whole Giro d'Italia just for the Tour de France. So now mel- mentally, I don't know how you bounce back from that. Right. I mean, he could be back on a trainer within a week. He could yep. be back on a road uh, out training within probably two weeks. But, uh, you know, at, at this point in Mark Cavendish's career, he doesn't care about the Tour of Spain or right. or anything else. So... You know, you're looking at uh, 51 weeks from now to line up again. That's and at that age, it's um, well. In it, it, even Johan, I think it was yesterday or the day before, re- reminded us everyone. It's like he has the record. It's a tie. He has the record. He wants more. Um, he yeah, wants. I, more. I don't know about that. I, I, I would. I would. I would have to disagree with Johan on that one. I, I, I think we just need to give him some time. He needs to get home, be with his family, regroup, um, and just decide without pressure, without the outside world yelling at him to come back into the to the sport and race again. The Tour de France. Let him make his own decisions. 
And you know, I, I personally going to give him time, give him space. Cause I just want him to recover, get home to his family and be happy. And, and we all watched what, you know, the drama uh, and, and the stress that he went through in the off season, trying to find, mm-hmm. just find a team that, that, that had a, a, an entry into the tour that, that seemed absolutely ridiculous that there wasn't uh, better options for him. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and criticize Astana, uh, but that's not a great team for him. But the, I know, George, I know you want to talk about Quick Step. This is the team that said, no thanks. Yeah, um, they're, I mean, how's their tour going? Uh, not yeah, too good. Not too good. I mean, the way they're racing is almost like a out of desperation. I mean, they're making the early bakery, which they know is going to get caught. Then you see a guy like Casper Askreen trying to bridge across. I mean, this is one of the best rulers in the sport. A guy won Tour of Flanders. Um, so it's just, it's odd to see him going like that and the tactics that quick step is having right now, but they don't have any other options. I mean, they, they just got to try to get into a lucky breakaway and hope, hope that Jakobsen recovers from his bad wreck the other day. Let me ask you a question, George, if, if, if Mark Cavendish, even in, uh, on the stages up until now, the sprint stages, which of course there haven't been many, and you could even imagine for the stages, stages later on in the tour, if Mark Cavendish had a Matthew Vanderpool, would he have already won a stage? Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. I think if, sure. you, if you have that motorcycle as your teammate, which, you know, Quick Step has some guys ask yeah. like that. Um, I, I think that's exactly right. This would be over. That This would be over. And, and but this just goes back to these goofy ass teams in cycling. Like, what were you thinking this winter? I don't know. I don't get it. And we, of course, were why they didn't pick him up. Yeah. Yes. And we were with him in September while it was uh, at the heat of the moment and sort of maybe getting some inside baseball. I'm like. What, what, I'm not as mad as I was the other day, but now that we're talking about that, it makes me mad. But at what point do we see the real desperation kick in after week one, like after this rest day or after week two? I mean, for for some of these teams teams, like that have not had the season they, they expected. It's on now. I mean, every, every stage of the Tour de France, uh, the teams that haven't won, or yelling at their guys that they got to be in the breakaway. They have to do something in this tour. And, you know, there's not that many opportunities with all these hard, you know, climbs coming up in the sprint stages. These guys are unbeatable. I mean, what Mads Peterson did today oh in that sprint, I feel like we should break it down because if you watch the overhead shot, I mean, he's essentially in the wind for 400, 500 meters to go. Uh, he doesn't, he does, he doesn't quite get in the Van Art and Laporte train. And then Vanderpool goes and he kind of goes at the same time Vanderpool goes and he still beats um, Jasper Philipson. So the sprint that Mads did, I mean, that uphill sprint was uh, tailor-made for him. I mean, he, he, he essentially sprinted for over 400 meters. Right. And, and, and it was incredible to watch. And had overhead. a little bit of luck. I mean, Wild Van Aert was having, you know, was, had a great lead out. Um, and I believe it was um, uh, Laporte who was, who was leading him out. It just, they just weren't synced up. So when Laporte's job was done, while well, Van Aert just got stuck there, boxed out, and the guy started to come around him, but he essentially got boxed out by his own teammate. And then you saw him at the very end was coming like a freight train. But this, to me, this sprint, and you can look at the profile. Uh, I don't know that the profile was 100% accurate, but you know, a, a kilometer at 3%, that's hard. At the end of a hard rolling stage that, what do we say, for, average speed of 47 kilometers an hour. If you want to, I like to sort of compare these things to other sports and, and uh, I hated finishes like this. Like I hated having to fight for position and you're already on the limit and then you have to stay there and not get gapped off. You cannot get gapped off like certain guys did today. There were guys that were gapped off. Um, uh, so I sort of equate it to if you're a swimmer, it's for sort of like the 400 IM. I hate that thing. Like it's, 
it's the, to me the hardest event in swimming. Or if you're a runner, the 800 right around the track. I mean, it's just your full gas. You even saw Matt Spaderson in his interview, which was, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes after the finish. He was still breathing hard. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't do anything else when he got done. I mean, it was that hard. Yeah, that was a, a crazy sprint to watch. Uh, a sprint like that, like you said, Lance, is just it's a different game. I mean, you could see how Philipson has been so dominant on those flat sprints, still had an amazing lead out from Vanderpool, but it was just, today was just that all, that little slight incline in the power that Matt Peterson has for that type of sprint uh, brought him to the victory. Probably sends a message in the, this, to the sprinters, okay, this Philipson guy can be beat, <laughs> you know, because it looked like he was just yeah, I mean, we have dominate. Rona Wiggins been up there as well. I mean, he's, and for him, I mean, typically that t- type of sprint, I would guess, is not his uh, forte. So he's going to start gaining a lot of confidence. I think the sprint stages, albeit we lost yeah, there's the no, biggest name. Right. In the sport uh, today, unfortunately, they're still going to be exciting, and these guys are fighting, going to keep battling out for, for I, wins. I think we're. I think there's only two, uh, two or three. How's Wout Van Art feeling right now? He's got to be frustrated. Very. He's just been so close, mm. but I don't think he's he's not the kind of rider that just gets defeated by these near misses. He probably gets more motivated. Yeah, I mean he's he's still on incredible form. I mean, arguably just as good as form as he was last year. It's just those little things aren't clicking that uh, you need for a victory. Like today, he had perfect lead out, but unfortunately, he got squeezed in as soon as Laporte sat mm-hmm. up. He got squeezed in, and you lose that momentum in a sprint. It's game over. You're not going to come back. And you saw how fast he came back for third place. I mean, he was going probably five k an hour faster than the guys in front of him. So if had he not had to had he not lost that momentum, he probably could have won today. My guess, totally. And then the other significant thing that happened today was uh, a couple GC contenders losing time. Both Yates and Landa but crashed it together. Crap. Yep, yep. And then, and you know, and if um, if you follow the sport, you'll sort of know that there's this um, not, sort of there is the, the three kilometer line where anything that happens inside the last three kilometers, whether it's a crash or a mechanical, you are given the same time as the leaders. Although. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how they do on a slight uphill finish like that. Typically, you know, on the flatter finishes for sure, but nonetheless. Um, but the, I think it happened, I want to say, right around four and a half to five K to go. So you, I remember back in our day, it was with one K to go, or, and then I think they moved it out. But I remember we just get to that line and everybody's like, uh, oh, <laughs> thank God. I mean, because anything can, and, and if, it's, if it happens at 3.5, you know, you're screwed and, and you're, and, and he had a teammate come back, and, and he still lost 47 seconds. Um, which yeah, No matter how many guys you can send back at that point, like that's, no, that's pace is gone. going no, so fast. It. They had been going so hard all day, and it's just, it's just a question of minimizing your losses at that point. Yeah. yeah. Any other uh, uh, um, outstanding things today? There were, there were other, yeah, there was obviously a few crashes. Um, no, I think that's it covering today and then uh, we'll take care of this and look ahead at tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, before we do, uh, today's show also brought to you by, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, our, our title sponsor for this tour, uh, Ketone IQ, brought, uh, made by HVMN. We often hear that fasting and exercise are good for the brain. HVMN launched the world's first drinkable ketone in 2017. Ketone IQ is their latest innovation on ketones with improved effectiveness, taste, and cost. Ketone IQ delivers clean fuel that can cross the blood-brain barrier, supplying your brain and body sustained energy, mental focus, and sharpness, putting you in flow, lasting for hours. 
You can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, visit hvmn.com slash the move and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Also today brought to you by Roka sunglasses that have uh, that are that are a step above right whether it's on the performance side the style side look at me I'm a, oh, i just love putting these on sick right They're went sick. into town yesterday meet this guy for lunch i was rocking these things had the the the, the silver hair with the silver aviators check me i like it i yeah, like it it's a good look, look. <laughs> what's that it's a dope look thank you bro thank you i, mean, I didn't shower after the gym or anything i just came this man is in there showering and yeah, that's because you beat me up in the gym every morning now. <laughs> Got to get it freshen up for the show. Uh, Roka's invented a completely new class of eyewear, and and not just for uh, professional cyclists, but all uh, all sorts of amazing athletes and performers, uh, other world champions, folks in the special forces. They're unbelievably lightweight. You'll literally forget you're wearing them. They do have the best optics on the market. No other glasses compare. Crystal clear, fog resistant, and scratch resistant. Here's the other thing. When you're out sweating, they never slip, no matter how sweaty you get. Uh, and also hand-built in our hometown, JB, of Austin, Texas. Uh, the Move listeners get 20% off. Just go to Roka, R-O-K-A, dot com. 20% off. Use the code over there, the Move for 20% off. That's a hell of a deal. Also, and last one of the day, Ventum. And I know we got some trivia here in a little bit. It's going to be a little controversial today on the trivia, or to, unless you sorted that, JB. Cool. (laughs) I hope so. I hope we get it right. (laughs) But from Ventum, the all-new GS1 is now available in the minted colorway, built exclusively with SRAM's Apex AXS All for just $2,999. I think there's there's some psychology in, like, uh, people that, people, like, study pricing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like instead of the dollar, like like most people go, okay, three grand, but there's like some psychology in that. I love that. $2,999, which is an amazing deal. uh, Because by the way, it is the same carbon frame set that, that we all ride, whether it's um, primarily head of HR, uh, uh, George, uh, myself, do you ride a GS1? I've got a, I just got a GS1 Everybody. a few months ago. Even Coltland has a GS1. <laughs> Coltland wrote up uh He did wrote up Maroon Bells, Bells yesterday. Bells yesterday yeah. Yeah. Coltland, next time you go up there, you need to take a picture. And he finally put some air in the tires too. Oh, I, I borrowed his bike the other day, I had like 10 pounds of pressure. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you need a little air in here. He's taking a lot better. He's taking this new sort of uh, tire rim air combo a little too seriously. Yeah. Uh, but we love them. Our, not just our GS1, which of course is our gravel bike, but our NS1s, uh, which is it's just a rocket ship of a road bike. Uh, the brand is kicking ass. Uh, they have amazing customer support. Uh, they're producing great content as well. You can check them out on their socials. That's at Ventum Racing on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, special offer for our listeners. You get 10% off when you use the code WEDO over at checkout. And that's at VentumRacing.com slash the move. By the way, if my wife asks either of you if uh, about my GS1, Ventum gave it to me. Okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes, sir. Johan's asking, when was it, what was the last time TDS finished on Pudi Dome? Uh, Johan was asking, I'm sorry, what was he asking? When was the last time the tour fin- when t- where it finishes tomorrow? Okay, so let's 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 talk about tomorrow because it, it it is an int- interesting stage and I and I've done a little studying on this uh, and I haven't revealed it to the team because I wanted them to be surprised at just how smart I seem. Uh, there's the map. <laughs> let's go to the profile. 
I mean, it's a, it's, it's a hell of a day. What's the total? 182 kilometers up and down all day long. Got cat four, cat four, cat three. And then, and then Puy de Dome, which is uh, to answer Johan's question. And I'm so curious to just see this stage. Of course, it is an old, and I don't know how old. I didn't study that hard. It's an old volcano. Uh, there's the final profile, and you get some gradual stuff in the seven percenters, and then it levels out a little bit. But boy, look at the last five. 11.5, 11.4, 12.2, 11.5. That's a real climb. Categorized uh, as a horse category. And the average is 13, so at 13K, it's 7.7%. Um, and, and we've never, I, I've never watched a stage on Puita We've Let me back up. We never did the Puita Dome. So that starts to timestamp it a little bit. The last time the Tour de France went up, this, um, this climb was in 1988, won by Johnny Welts, which of course is a, a guy we know very well. Um, it, it, for, the, for you uh, cycling history nerds, uh, it's, uh, you'll also recall uh, in 1975, Eddie Merckx, uh, this was the stage that he was punched on. And uh, this was his sixth. So in 1975, it was his sixth tour. He was going for uh, uh, the sixth win, which, of course, would have been the record, uh, and was punched 150 meters from the top of the Puy de Dome and ended up getting second in that tour to Bernard Tevening. Um, but I'm super – I can't wait to see it. I don't know – it's one of these things. I mean, was it just a, a rogue fan punched yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, jumped out. A, f- like I mean, a Frenchman shows, who just couldn't stand the, uh, the Belgian I did, I was did, dominating. I did. Yeah, read his name. It did. You know, um, I don't know where. Yeah, you would have to think maybe. Um, it shows you how the sport has changed. You know, 150 meters from the top, somebody was able to just—that's nothing. That's like right there. Right. Able to just jump out, punched him basically oh, in the yeah. kidney. Now that's barriers at least one k. Yeah, three k on the climbs. I think. Yeah. Um, and. and uh, but that's, it, it, it hurt him enough that he couldn't, uh, he, he did lose more time that day. I think he lost 30 something seconds to Tevin a, and then went on to not be able to win the tour. Um, but, and that was in 1975. So I'm, I was, I'm just curious to see like all of this history. I mean, that just right there alone is pretty fascinating history. You look at the profile and you're like, Holy, that looks awesome. Yeah. If we can go back to the profile, cause mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be, like you said, Lance, a super, super hard day. And Going back to today's stage, and I was actually just chatting with Johan. Like we we're both kind of perplexed why Jumbo was pulling so hard. I didn't understand that. I either. mean, okay, you got to control the L jersey, but the guys are way they. But they were clearly working for Wout, and they were doing a full-on team lead out for for Wout. But with all these stages left to come, it's like, hang on here. I thought the strategy was just all in for Yellow, and then all of a sudden you're going to use your guys, which they're going to need those guys, especially on a day like tomorrow. Um, for for you know, arguably. Wow can can surf the front on his own, or with Chris, uh, you know, Laporte. He's, they didn't have to do all that work, in my opinion. They didn't have to go that hard. Um, so it's kind of a strange strategy leading into tomorrow's stage, in my opinion. Well, right. I mean, that's it. I mean, how hard do you need to go? If if you only need to go as hard as 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 it is required to nullify or neutralize the attacks, if nobody's attacking. I guess there was the break out there, but, uh, you know, you just have to assume with, with that finish that they were, they were, I mean, that breakaway, by the way, could have had, I don't know, 30 seconds at the bottom yeah. at the, with a K to go and they would have been caught. Yeah. Um, so not really necessary to go that hard to catch them. And, and if nobody's attacking, just ease up. I mean, they, they, well, we've exactly. got some and there hard was, days. There was clearly other teams with intentions to go mm. for the sprint. So it's their responsibility to, to do that tempo. I just don't know why they would use their, their guys so much. Hmm. I know that we would not have done that. We would have just kind of floated the front, 
saved energy. We didn't really care. Okay, we didn't we didn't have a wout on our team. But I mean, the, the goal is the yellow, then we would be trying to save as much energy as possible in those stages. So looking at that very steep finish and then looking at what Pogacar did on that last punchy climb mm. and put in, you know, I don't forget how many seconds. And it's, let's say that same scenario happens again with this finish. How much could he put in on, on Vingegaard? <clears throat> like he could do some real damage. Well, look, look, if I, I'm getting PTSD from watching what I watched the other day. If, if you're and they did it again today. If you're Jumbo Visma, I, I don't care that if you have the yellow jersey. You this is not your responsibility tomorrow. This is UAE is it's their responsibility and it's Pogachar's responsibility. Let them do the work. Sit on the wheels. If I see them riding hard tempo on the Puy de Dome, setting uh, up, I'm, I'm, turn, I'm, I'm turning it off. But there's no. I mean, like we said the other day. I mean, they're basically even rounds right now, three they're, to they're, three. The, um, you know. Vinigo dropped Pogachar on the Mari Blanc, and then Pogachar drops Vinigo on that other climb. I forget the name of it, but we can't quite tell who's better yet. They had both had you know, good, better days than the other, but I think tomorrow's going to be super interesting because okay. it'll be all a right. big test for you both keep, of them. You keep doing this th- three rounds to three rounds thing, all right? So let's let's I'll stick with that twenty-one I'll, round I'll, fight. I'll, let's go. No, well let's. I'll work with you there. So if let's say it is a boxing match and, and the and fighter A comes out and has a great first three rounds and then fighter B comes out and rounds four through six, just kicks his ass. What do you, how do you think they both feel going into round seven? Well, they, are they not, are they not, I mean, this is thing called, there not, was there a knockout? Doesn't matter. I'm just telling you. Have you not watched Rocky? <laughs> Fighter A. Have you not watched Rocky get his ass kicked by the Russian? Uh, <laughs> how many rounds? And then he comes back. I mean, come on. This is how it works. It, it, there's this these things. Hollywood. There's these the, these things called momentum and Creed. Morale. You see Creed. It's, I'm with you. Listen, I listen. agree with Lance here. Yeah. It seems like momentum is going Pogacar's way big time. And this is the perfect opportunity for Vingegaard to say, yeah, "I don't. Want, I don't want to tell the kid how to race or tell his team how to race, but." Act like you're having a bad day. Suffer a little bit. Throw the responsibility to other people. You, you, they do not need to control this race tomorrow. The, what we saw the other day and the power and the acceleration from Pogacar, and we don't know what happened the day before. Maybe he just had a bad day. Um, but I, I would I would throw it on them and say, you want to control the race? You want to uh, dictate the race? Go for it. We're just going to. You want things Jumbo's can control and ride. Great. I, I mean, look, I... I uh, <laughs> At, at the end of the day, I don't care. Our job is to sit here and talk about it and analyze it and, and, and provide it for folks. I think that's a mistake. And, yeah. and we'll see. And, and, I, and I trust Johan on that. And look at me. I'm, I, I'm getting mad just thinking about it. Whatever. I'm, I want to go riding. I need, to, I need to go drop George today. I think that's a mistake. You got a chance today. I think I think I think they need to throw some responsibility. You got a chance today. What, what's your base little, that on? Well, what George is not telling us. We got, you know, we had some sources. You know, I'm, I'm, dude. Do you I'm have fo- any questions? <clears throat> no. JP? Hang on. I'm, I'm, Wait, no. Well, I want to hear where this goes because I'm I, focused right now. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living the clean life. I'm training hard. Two a days. Golf game is on point. Um, you know, I, I. I we got this cool thing sent to us, this mattress, the eight sleep thing. So I spent like, it took me like two hours to set this thing up last night, watched a couple shows, watched this hijack show with that dude on uh, Apple TV. That was pretty cool. Got through two episodes of that. What's that called? 
I think it's called hijack. Oh, it's called hijack. <laughs> <laughs> since, since you're so afraid, you have such uh, uh, trauma to, around flying. Think, don't yeah. watch this show. Um, and and uh, <laughs> but then I get to the gym early this morning, and my sources tell me that George was out at the Caribou Club last night. Quite having late. dinner. Ooh. That's Nothing where the that. Flintstones would go, right? <laughs> Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I think. No, that I went to dinner with your Lodge, friends. Sorry. How many cocktails? Not that. Not, not, I will tell you this, and I won't give away too much, you know, but staying up late working just to see George come home is awesome. It's <laughs> yeah. quite the show. Yeah. Were you up when I got back? The <laughs> not last yeah. night, but the night before. Yeah. yeah. Very entertaining. And I took an hour and a half nap yesterday. Dang. You we, 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 what? What? How much shit have you given me for the last five years about napping? Well, <laughs> now you're Mister Napper. Yeah, uh, I'm going to add one more thing to tomorrow. Uh, will we likely see Nielsen Palace go try to scoop up points? Yeah, definitely. He's, yeah. It looked like he early, sat up today, took it easy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, if we, I know we don't spend a lot of time on the polka dot jersey. Everyone who listens for a long time knows that this is not Lance's favorite, but an American taking the polka dot jersey and he's a good climber is a heck of a story for American cycling. Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. All right. NS1 trivia. Sure. You could win a Ventum NS1, the road bike, complete bike. Uh, the question yesterday was what is the longest stage ever recorded in the history of the tour de France? Now I've seen a couple of different answers online, but I'm going to go with the one that, that Ventum sent me here. The answer from yesterday was the longest stage in history was the seventh stage of the 1919 edition spanning a distance of 482 kilometers. That's 299 miles. Oof. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What are you going to say? I mean, um, that's a long ways. Uh, and, and, and then think about it, right? I mean, I wouldn't want to ride that far today with my Ventum NS1 with my super macked out fast wheels and electric shifting and, and, and what were those bikes and all, like? And all the oh. nutritional stuff we have now. 1919? Oh, I'm yeah. fucked. Did they even have derailers? Probably no, I think not. They had one gear. Like, okay. I think they so, were like flip the gear, the they wheel around. They, had, they could flip it around when they got to the mountains, but I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and not to mention the clothing. I mean, what were you? Imagine the tanked after that stage, <laughs> huh? Couldn't be good, you know. Yeah, don't want to imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't blame you. <laughs> All right, uh, get ready to send in your question, your answer for today's. And that they what they do is they take all the people who send in the right answer, randomly draw one, and at the end of the tour. That's how they'll pick the winner for the NS1. So today's question this is... This could be under protest, that partic this particular question, though. We might have a protest. If there... if You know what we'll probably do? I'll talk to Ventum. If there are some varying answers on that, we'll mm -hmm. include all those in the drawing. Mm -hmm. How's that? All right. Today's question. Which cyclist won the Tour de France immediately after World War II ended? Ooh, okay. So that must have been 46. Oh, that's a good one. So do your research, get the answer, send it in to trivia at VentumRacing.com. All right. Good luck. Absolutely. You guys want to answer a couple questions? A couple. Just do a it. couple real quick. Uh, let's see. Lance, George, which, with such tight space on a final sprint, is there a proper etiquette for how a rider moves out of the way when a rider has finished their lead out? 
maybe for George, as this has a lot to do with sprinting and etiquette, uh, you might not have a good answer for me, but uh, can a rider be penalized for getting in the way of another team after they peel off? That's from Anthony. No, they, they can't be penalized. It's the guy behind responsibility to see, kind of guess which way the guy's pulling off. But if you're doing a lead out, I, when I was doing a lead out, I would always kind of like, if I'm at the front, I'm looking underneath my tire to see which way the the guy behind me is sort of leaning. Like his front wheel could be on my right side of my, my wheel, mm-hmm. my left side. And then I would pull off on the opposite side, which would indicate, you know, that wind is coming that way too, which while you're pulling off and he's coming around you, he's getting a bit more draft uh, on the way by you as well. Uh, a small disclaimer there, folks. Do not try that at home uh, when you're out with your buddies. <laughs> Looking under. When you're, when you're going for that, when you're leading out your buddy for the, uh, you know, the Austin City Limit sign, don't try that at home. <laughs> just, just I don't know, uh, figure out a hand signal. D- don't <laughs> look underneath. We should do some your, mock lead outs. D- don't look like right through here. your seat to see, okay, that's right up there with the super tuck and all this other. Don't yeah. try this at home. Just don't listen to any of my tips because yesterday, you know, when we're doing the point down, I heard about all these crashes in the group rides the next day when I'm like pointing, I'm coming for the wheel. Right. Just, just ride the way you ride. Don't listen to me. Uh, another quick question. This is uh, probably tough to answer, but I'm going to give it a, sh- a shot here. Uh, David writes, what has been the most significant cycling technological advancement in the past 25 years? Mm. Good question. Um, <clears throat> well, it's 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 uh, if 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 we're going off twenty five years, that's um, that would I'd have to think about that. I, I, but if you go back forty years, um, you know, you'd have to say uh, Boone Lennon's uh, invention of the aero bar. I mean, what we saw, and of course we saw it. Um, uh, you know, Boone Lennon, for those who do a little bit of uh, a history here. So Boone Lennon worked for Scott USA. He was a ski racer and he saw how, how downhill skiers were, would get in this really arrow tuck uh, when they're going. I mean, these guys are going 70, 80 miles an hour straight downhill. Uh, and so he, he thought, well, why wouldn't we use that in cycling? So he invented the arrow bar, which of course now we see uh, every day. And of course, part two, Greg LeMond used to much success in 1989. That to me was... The, the greatest innovation and certainly the biggest news story because was used at such a time that, that, that not everybody had it and it made such a difference and it was, it was splashed all over the world's screens. Um, it, it, boy, if we, if we had to use 25 years, I'd have to think about that. The disc yeah. brakes would be up there, I would think. Disc brakes. Well, if we're using 40 years, then I'd have to go with the power meter. I mean, that revolutionized the way people train everybody. Prior to that, it was all heart rate based, wasn't heart it? Heart rate, yeah. So... Obviously, that changed the, the game for, for uh, training. But yeah. 25 years, that's a tough one. There's a lot out there. Yeah, that's I mean, if you, there's a lot of these other, you know, disc brakes, electric shifting, the, the, the advancement in carbon technology, um, aerodynamics on the frames. Yeah, what was the last steel bike you rode? <sighs> Do you remember? On Motorola. On Motorola, Motorola yeah. 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 Wow. Early 90s. Okay. All right. Well, cool. If you have a question for a future show, send it in the move at we That was a good question. Yeah. yeah. I might ask you on the same question. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Well, he's, that's not fair. He's going to have all this time to think about it. I know that's, and he, no, loves, that. he loves that. He'll think, he'll think of something else. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, stage nine to Mark. Oh, hey, think about that stage nine. I mean, no, you're here in a day, or, a day or two. We have, well, of course, after tomorrow we have our first rest day, but we're sort of getting to halfway here, but I'm, 
You know, I don't I don't wake up too excited uh, many of these mornings to see some of these things. I mean, sometimes the races provide the excitement, but a lot of them are like, eh, I cannot wait. Just because I've never seen, I've never seen a stage on Puita Dome, never done a stage on Puita Dome. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm super curious, like, why the hell don't we go there every three years? But And if we see uh, Jumbo dragging them along, everyone's going to think of you and what you're thinking about as you watch that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, then, yeah. Um, think about this, though, too. Uh, I haven't done this finish in 35 years. That's a long time. So we'll see what happens. And we, yes, we will also see on the, on the strategy and, and, and tactic side, just how these guys handle it. Thanks for tuning in. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.